now from here. John chapter number 6 opens with Jesus performing the great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And this made him popular. They wanted to make him their king. And uh, Jesus had met their physical needs, and this pleased him, pleased them. And many, just like that, follow after Jesus today for the same reason, because of what he can do for them, meeting their physical needs. They want carnal and material blessing. They're willing to crown him king as long as he satisfies them. And uh, Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Verse number 15, the Bible says, When Jesus therefore, therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Verse 26, I wish we could read all 71 verses, but I'm going to not do that today. But verse 26, just to give you context, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, and we could even put it in there, truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. The crowds continued following him, and Jesus continued to teach them. They followed him for physical food. But now Jesus turns the focus to something spiritual. Verse 27, he says, labor not. For the meat which perisheth. Don't work for the meat that perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that God the Father sealed. John chapter 6, verse 31. Our fathers did eat the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses... Gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Jesus says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. You know what he's talking about? Jesus is the bread of life. They said, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Let that sink in. Never hunger and never thirst. He began to teach on the importance of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and this message was offensive. Many began to leave. They didn't understand what he was saying. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now he's not implying here, that they had to physically eat his body and blood. That's an absurd notion. Uh, this was clearly a reference to the cross. And those that partook in faith would receive eternal life. Do you understand the language here? He's saying, eat my body, drink my blood. But we partake in the shed blood and broken body of Jesus Christ. When we come to him by faith. He gave his body and he shed his blood on the cross so that we can come to him in faith and receive eternal life. It's a free gift. 
Oh, it's not some work. It's not something that we have to attain or something we have to achieve. It's not us cleaning ourselves up. It's not us turning over a new leaf, starting over. Although, uh, at the beginning of the year, it is nice to kind of reset some things. But you know, that has no bearing on our spiritual condition. My friend, eternal life comes but by faith. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. How many of you would admit this morning, without an uplifted hand, but from your heart, you just say, in your heart, yes. How many of you would have to admit, I am a sinner. I was born a sinner. You know, we we don't uh, become a sinner because we sin. We sin because of our nature. We are a sinner by nature. That's why we sin. Because of Adam and Eve, the Bible says that because of Adam's sin, in Romans chapter 5, because of Adam's sin, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. But Jesus was born from above. He is the Son of God through the Virgin Mary. And we know that because of his perfect sinless blood, he was able to pay for the sin of the world. And so we put our faith in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. So he's not implying that you had to physically uh, eat his body, drink his blood. This is a spiritual message. And some were offended because they didn't understand. They were also offended because he is implying that he is the Messiah here. He is the bread of life from heaven. Oh, they were happy to have the physical bread that Jesus miraculously provided there, feeding 5,000. And that's just the men. There was actually probably more there if you include the women and the children that weren't counted. Uh, But they were willing to take what he could provide for them physically. Like so many of this world, they want the Christian message because of maybe they perceive some prosperity. They perceive some physical or monetary blessing. But when it comes to, uh, to receiving spiritual truth, many people stop short. And uh, many here were willing, unwilling to accept him as their Messiah. They were offended by his message. Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples... Now, this isn't talking about the twelve. This is talking about the, the scores that were following him. From that time, many of his disciples went back. They turned away. And they walked no more with him. Verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve... Will ye also go away? What an important question. Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter, of course, he's always the first one to say something, isn't he? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art Christ the Son of the living God. What's the message? Peter says, I see that you are the Messiah. And if we turn away from you, who are we going to turn to? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. I pray that you bless the message this morning. Speak to us, Lord, as we dive into this a little bit more. I pray that you would uh, stir us, Lord, where we need to be stirred and calm us where we need to be calmed. Lord, I pray for the joy of the Lord this morning. I pray for peace that passeth all understanding because this world is going to hell and this world does not even know it. And so many are seeking the truth, but they're looking in all the wrong places. I pray that you'd help us today to realize that we have the answer and that we have the solution to the world's problems because it's not us, it's Jesus. It's not the church, it's Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter asked Jesus that important question. Now listen very closely. Listen very closely, if you don't mind. I appreciate interaction. 
But if you want to say amen, that's fine. But let's just very, very, I really would appreciate it. Just focus on the message this morning. Let it get into your heart. Because I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying today. Peter is asking this question. If you turn away from Jesus, where will you turn? Personalize it. If we turn away from him, where are we going to turn? Where can you go for truth if not for Jesus? Number one, atheism. In your blank there, atheism is not the answer. Atheism, choosing to believe that all of this, all of this around us, the heavens, the earth, all of it created itself, and then it created man. Claiming to be an atheist is not a sign of intelligence. Some of the greatest minds that ever were believed in God. Sir Isaac Newton, Louis Pasteur, and some of you know the name Werner von Braun. One of, the, uh, one of the Nazi Germany's greatest minds, a rocket scientist, became a pioneer in America's space program following World War II. Von Braun's interest in rocket science had been sparked by a desire to explore space. Nothing wrong with that. But he came to regret that his work was being used to cause tremendous destruction of human life. He had developed the V-1 and the V-2 rockets, which allowed Germany to pummel the West, pummel Allied targets up to 500 miles away. Sensing disloyalty, the Gestapo arrested von Braun in 1944 and charged him with espionage. Following the end of World War II, von Braun and his German scientists came to America, and uh, they became indispensable to our uh, space program. I actually had the privilege, uh, last Sunday it was, to see the Kennedy Space Center down in Port Canaveral, Cape Canaveral. And, uh, boy, that's, that's quite interesting. By the way, we didn't even pay to go in. We just drove as far as we could get, saw the things, and took pictures and left. And some of you are probably going to say, why in the world did you not go in? Because I was just tired of spending money, to be honest with you. But I think it's probably like 80 bucks to get in. And I saw a, tick, uh, a coupon for $10, so I'm assuming it's probably expensive. But, and uh, we were with some other folks, and I didn't want to keep them. But, you know, it was really, really awe-inspiring to see those rockets there. And to realize that it's only been within the last 50, 60 years that we've been able to uh, do some of the space exploration. But Werner von Braun was a big part of that. And um, he developed, helped develop uh, our military and space programs. His life, when he came here, had changed drastically within the course of a year. But it was in a little church in El Paso, Texas, that Von Braun experienced a spiritual transformation that would change him from the inside out. In Germany, von Braun had been nominally Lutheran, but functionally atheist. He had no interest in religion or in God. But in Texas, while living at Fort Bliss, a neighbor invited him to church. He went to uh, expecting to find a religious country club. Instead, he found a small white frame building with a vibrant congregation of people who loved the Lord. 
he realized that he had been morally adrift and that he needed to surrender himself to God. He became a Christian. And over the coming years, he became quite outspoken in his evangelical faith and frequently addressed the uh, complementarity of faith and science. So you don't have to check your brain at the door to become a Christian. Did you know that? You know, true science actually supports God's word. Okay? Uh, atheism, it does unsatisfy. It's just, it's just somebody that says, I don't want to believe in God. My heart goes out to anyone that is in that position because probably something in life happened that was very, very bad. Possibly. And uh, many people just, they turn their back on God for some reason. They, they, they push God away. But I believe in our hearts, we, we have to realize that there is a creator. As they say, there's no atheists in foxholes. Number two, philosophy is not the answer. The German philosopher Arthur, Arthur Schopenhauer once said, Life is a curse of endless craving and endless unhappiness. Philosophy without Jesus is just an empty laugh, and uh, philosophy does not satisfy. Number three, materialism is not the answer. Now, I'm for capitalism, uh, but I'm just going to tell you, it's not a, a debate over what kind of economic structure, because capitalism, communism, socialism, it's all materialism, okay? And materialism, the obtaining of things and the, the gaining of things is not the answer to life. All you have to do is look around at all the stuff that we have and realize it's not making us any happier. In fact, for some, most of our stress, I would say, from pastoring nine years almost, I would say most of the stress comes from having too much. Because I've been to places where they have nothing, and they're actually happier than some here. According to an L.A. Times article, there are on average 300,000 items in an American household. And I thought, that is ridiculous. That's preposterous. Then I started to look around my house. And by the way, my wife and I, we like to give stuff away. We like to throw stuff away. We are kind of like minimalists. I'm not saying we're extreme minimalists, but we, we just don't like clutter. You might be saying, I don't either, Pastor, but I can't get rid of my clutter. Can you and your wife come over and help us? I've had that request before. But, you know, all of that stuff causes us to feel insecure and unhappy. And it can become a real addiction. I know some people that they just want to buy stuff and they never use it. They're never planning on using it. They just get addicted to getting things. And I'm not trying to be in judgment of you today, if that's you, uh, because all of us could be that way, can't we? Hey, the world around us tells us we need it. You deserve it, right? And uh, how many of you are old enough to remember McDonald's? You deserve a break today, right? You deserve a break today. And uh, we get to the idea that we deserve these things. My friend, just take inventory a little bit and say, God help me to not become so focused on material things. Buying, amassing things, it doesn't make us happy. Materialism does not satisfy Number four today, religion is not the answer. Human beings are incurably religious. I looked this statistic up. 84% of the world's population identifies with a religious group. Do you know that? Peter said to Jesus, to whom shall we go? If you go to Confucius' grave this morning, it's occupied. If you go to Buddha's grave, you'll find it occupied. But not Jesus' grave. 
He is not here, for he is risen. Hey, you know, you can still have Buddhism without Buddha. You can take Confucius out of Confucianism. You can even take Muhammad out of Islam. But you cannot take Jesus out of Christianity without destroying our faith. Because our faith is more than a code. Our faith is more than a creed. Our faith is more than a church even. So many people identify their religion with a church, a congregation. My friend, that is not the answer. The answer is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. Can you say that with me this morning? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to our broken relationship with God. Amen. Sin has separated us from God. We've already talked about this. But apart from Him, there is no salvation from sin. Oh, He alone has the words of eternal life. Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer to our broken relationship with God. In the book of John, later you will read in the Gospel of John, that Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way and the life. He is the answer. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus is the answer to our broken relationship with God. Some of you this morning are saying, oh, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But my friend, Jesus makes that all possible. None of us deserve it. But he is the answer to reconciling ourselves to God. It's through Jesus Christ. He reconciles us to God. Oh, my friend, this morning, uh, we deserve hell, but Jesus made us worthy of heaven. Jesus is the answer also to our guilty conscience. Even after, after we saved, we still struggle with sin. We have sin all around us. There's temptation all around us. That's why we have the Bible. And God gave us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to help us to wade through all of the temptations that are around us. And we don't have to become a victim. Sin keeps us from fellowshipping with God. And many Christians fall by the wayside because they don't understand the Spirit-filled life. Yielding to the Holy Spirit and refusing to give in to sin. Receiving God's help and grace through every temptation. 1 John 1.9 gives us comfort. Even if we fall, we can be cleansed and our fellowship restored. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful for God giving us a second chance. I'm thankful for the third chance as well, amen? amen. How many of you are thankful for the 30th chance? No, you don't have to raise your hand. But I appreciate your honesty this morning. God is a good God. He is loving. He is gracious. He is merciful. But he is also holy 
and he's righteous. He balances those things. That's his nature. But as, as he is holy and righteous, yes, judgment will come someday. But because of his grace, he's giving the world a chance. He's giving all that are around us a chance to come to him because he wants to be merciful to us. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible. The Bible says that for God so loved the world. You can put yourself in that place. The word world in that verse there is the word cosmos. The world. All of us. God loves you this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave something that was very precious to him. His most precious son, Jesus. His only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Put yourself in that place. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We need to be saved this morning. If you're not saved, you come to Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our broken relationship with each other as well. Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, they didn't just break their relationship with God. They damaged their relationship with each other. And human beings have been struggling ever since, haven't they? It's manifested in many ways, one being racism. And in the first century, there was a major division between the Gentiles and the Jews. Today in our modern society, as advanced and as educated as we are, we have not and we cannot solve bigotry and racism. But Jesus is the answer to broken relationships. Man can try as much as they can, as hard as they can. But they cannot solve this problem without Jesus. As Dave Ramsey says, you will never have peace until you've met the Prince of Peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Who is he talking about? The Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus broke down the barrier between the races of that day. The culture, the tracks, if you would, one on the, this side of the tracks, one on the other side of the tracks. And Jesus brings everything together. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Verse 15 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for the making himself of twain, of two, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Again, there is no reconciliation between the races and the uh, issues that are going on in our world and all of the controversy and all of the enmity between nations it cannot be solved apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. We come together through Jesus. You might be saying, well, that message is what's dividing everyone. It's because it hasn't been tried yet. It hasn't been done. Jesus will bring everyone together. It's going to happen. It's in the Bible. In the future, in, in prophecy, he will bring the world together. Unfortunately, many will reject him. 
But he has given us in this age that we are living in, the church age, this opportunity to bring the gospel to the lost and to bring uh, people to peace with God and to give them a message where they can uh, find peace with God. And when they find peace with God, then they can find peace with each other. Amen? And the Bible says in verse 16, or verse 17 of Ephesians 2, And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off. Who? The Gentiles. That's us. And to them that were nigh, who is that? The Jews. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Amen. Jesus is the answer to our broken relationships. Jesus is the answer to a meaningless existence. I think of Solomon, the richest man who ever lived. He was not satisfied with his wealth. The Bible says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, the book that Solomon, the richest man that ever lived. Some say he could have been uh, the equivalent of uh, a modern-day trillionaire. You say, what, what would you do a trillion dollars? Probably be taxed on it, I'm sure. But what would you do with a billion dollars? How about a million dollars? This man was a wealthy, wealthy man. And the richest man that ever lived wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Saying, basically, without God, life is meaningless. I've had it all. Done it all, tried it all. I mean, the man had hundreds and hundreds of women in his life. And he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The wealth, the riches, the fame, the power that he had, but nothing in this world will satisfy you. Young people, get that, understand it, write it down. Put it in the back of your mind. This world cannot satisfy the longing of your heart. Money, materialism, relationships, it doesn't satisfy without Jesus. But with Jesus, you have it all. John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus says that the Christian life is a fruitful and satisfying life. He wants to give us abundance through Him. When you come to a relationship with Jesus, now some people say, well, what are you teaching, Pastor? Are you saying that if I get saved, if I have a relationship with God, then I'm going to be wealthy and prosperous? No. No, I'm not saying that. That's not what the Bible teaches. But the Bible says that you will have satisfaction in your life. You will have peace in your life. You will have joy in your life. You, it's, oh, I won't have problems? No, that's not what it's saying. But when you have Jesus, God, uh, God's Son, you will get through the problems. You will come through the problems to the other side with peace in your life. I've seen some of the greatest Christians. They weren't necessarily famous, well-known. They're not names that I could give to you this morning. You would know who they are. But I've, and, I, and some of you know who some of the ones I'm thinking of. But there have been people even in our midst that have gone through the worst Things that you could imagine. And they have gone through them and come through them with peace in their life. Because Jesus is the answer to our longings, our worries, our doubts. Three years ago, we sailed into the COVID ocean. I heard terms I had never heard before in my life. Social distancing. Some of you probably have heard that before. I never had heard it myself, but 
And they said, please social distance from me. Uh, flattening the curve, community spread, PPE. I didn't know what that was till COVID. I still don't know exactly what it is, but <clears throat> anyways. Shelter in place. I'm gonna say, pastor, please, you're triggering me. Those are all of my triggers. Um, we came to a place where we didn't know how, oh, what we were gonna do. We didn't know what we were gonna do. How are we gonna get through this? Honestly, the first day I was like, hey, this is pretty neat, you know? School's canceled and, you know, the, the streets were empty. It was different. But you and I know, three, four weeks into it, we were like, this, this isn't a regular situation. Uh, we came to a place where we didn't know what to do. It affected every area of our life. And you and I know, it was every area of our life. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. It affected our economy. It affected the stock market. It affected the sports world. Some of you were like, well, hey, as long as I have, don't have to go to work and I have to stay at home, I can just watch some TV, watch the sports game. You were probably watching the 1978 World Series or something like that, you know? There was nothing on. It affected every area of our life. It affected the local church and it affected our assembly. And it affected many churches to the point that they closed down completely. But I'm glad to tell you that there is one area of my life that was not affected by COVID in the least. The COVID virus had no effect at all on my salvation. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I was saved before COVID, I was saved under COVID, and I was saved beyond COVID. Amen? God got us through it. And we know that we know that we have eternal life because it was all of God. It was Jesus. Now, my friend, if it was me that saved myself, if I somehow did enough good works and I tried to, you know, be good, and I tried harder, then I would wonder. Because if I didn't wonder, my wife would wonder. And she would tell me, I don't think that you are going to heaven because you're not being very good right now. And uh, you might be saying, I, I would never assume, Pastor, that you were ever Bad. You would never say anything mean to Mrs. Hoover. You would never disobey her in any way whatsoever. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm, am I supposed to obey you? I don't know. But um, we, me and Mrs. Hoover, we would know. Because, by the way, if you want to get to know somebody, marry them. But don't marry them for that reason, okay? I'm just telling you. Be careful who you marry. It's forever. But when you marry somebody, you get to know them very, very well. And they get to know you very, very well. And if we're just being honest here among friends, she, based on her, you know, works and everything, maybe God, if it worked that way, maybe God would say, that's okay, you can come in to heaven. But she knows if it, based on good works, I'm not going, okay? Okay, all right. Some of you are like, where are you going with this, Pastor? Did you go to the Caribbean and change your theology on us? No, I didn't. Because that's not how it works. And I thank God that's not how it works. Because our salvation is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and the finished work on the old rugged cross. And our faith, putting our faith in Jesus. And so because of that, because he's perfect, he never sinned. He has sinless blood. 
We talked about that during Christmas. You didn't get that? Go back and look at the sermon from the 18th of December. Sinless blood. And because of Jesus, I know that I know that I'm saved. Amen? And my deliverance is not from within, it's from above. I love that song. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among, among men whereby we must be saved. Now, I, I just saw this little insight there in chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts. Acts 4.12, he said there's none other name given among men whereby ye must be saved. It doesn't say whereby ye could be saved or can be saved or should be saved. Jesus is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven, the only way to be forgiven. Neither is there salvation in any other. Remember the question from before that, that Peter had? Remember what his question was? Verse 67 of John 6, back to our text. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Jesus is the answer to our worries, our doubts. He's the answer to the problems of our world. Does our world have problems? Yes. Yes. Is it getting better? Honestly, no. Does that mean that there's no hope? Absolutely not. Many, many, many are turning to Jesus Christ. Many. We are 5% of the world's population. We see only a snippet of what's going on in the world. But I'm telling you this right now. In all honesty, what is going on around this globe, in third world countries, in communist closed countries, scores upon scores, millions have come to Christ. And we will never know about it till we get to heaven. But the little that we hear back proves to me that we do not need to fret or worry. It shows to me that there is something going on. And we know that Jesus is making an impact in this world. Even though we can't see everything, God still has a plan for 2023. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Oh my. We have troubles, don't we? We have trials. You might be saying, Pastor, I'm not even thinking about the 8 billion people, or almost 8 billion people on this planet. I remember when it was almost 6 billion. Some of you remember when it was 2 billion. Uh, but anyways, or whatever. But isn't our world growing at a, an astounding rate? Growth at an astounding rate. Urbanizing at an astounding rate. Over half of the world's population lives in cities. And the world is in trouble. There's tribulation on every hand. Your family might be going through it right now. I know of a few situations where families are, yeah, what's going on? 
What's going to happen tomorrow? Some of you, in all reality, have told me, I don't know what's going to happen at mon- on Monday when I go into work. I don't know. But he says, In me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Every one of your problems, every one of your temptations, every one of your health issues, every one of your trials in your family, whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's your work, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's a financial or health issue, you could probably put that in that category and realize that all of your problems that are because of this broken world, all of those problems that I just listed are an effect from the fall of man, the curse upon this planet because of Adam's sin. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the problems. Amen. So thankful for our our great Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is still the answer for this world's problems. If you would, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, stand with me to your feet if you would. I'm going to pray. And after I'm done praying, if you would, if you need prayer, you might have a, a concerning issue in your home, your workplace, whatever it is. If you want to stay private, that's okay. You come to the altar. You can kneel here and pray. You pray in your pew, if you would, wherever it is. Wherever it is that you're at, you need to turn to Jesus. Stop turning to all the wrong things that the world is turning to, drugs, alcohol, illicit relationships, bad financial decisions, being impulsive, being emotional. Uh, we, we make so many mistakes because we do things without the word, the, the spirit, godly wisdom. You need help. You come Thursday night. We're going to talk again about getting back to the basics. Spoke about wisdom this week. But I'm telling you right now, you got to stop turning to all the wrong things. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The song goes, turn your eyes upon him. Jesus is still the answer. Father, I pray that you'd meet with us this morning. I thank you so much for your word, the truth of God's word. Help us today. So many of us have been tempted, even in the last few days or weeks, to give up, to quit. Our bodies are weary. Our hearts are weary. Our our soul, our emotions God, we we see others quitting. We see others giving up. We see others turning aside. They turn back like the disciples in Jesus' day. Oh, Lord, help us to evaluate this question. Where are we going to turn if not to Jesus? Because, Jesus, you are not the problem. Oh, yes, church can be the problem. No, pastors have caused problems. Churches can be... Uh, problematic because we're, we're broken people. But I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one here to not turn away from you. I pray this morning that you would stir our hearts. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I pray that it, it has been, had an effect upon us today. Speak to us through this time of prayer. May we speak to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You come to the altar. The altar is open. Somebody's here to counsel you if you'd like to talk.